Hello and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Megan Sunday. And I'm Bo North. And today we're here to talk about the first two official chapters of Dune Messiah, just as soon as our conspiracy finds its lever. Ooh. Lever. <laughs> I, I like us being a conspiracy. <laughs> There's so many to choose from. Yeah, this book is all about them, too. Oh my gosh, like so if you like if you like this sort of clandestine type stuff, like this is definitely the Dune installation for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So last last week we kind of did a, I would say like a not even quite a prologue. It was just some shit that <laughs> Frank Herbert threw in the front of the book to be like, <laughs> "Hey, look, things aren't going so great. Look, there's some stuff, stuff and <laughs> happenings and people and yeah. Uh, so this this week we start immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there an epigraph? I think they have them this week. We have to uh, get back into our check. epigraphs. Yeah. Yes, there's a proverb. So I'll, I'll take that. Uh, yeah. The, here we go. There exists, exists no separation between gods and men. One blends softly casual into the other. Pro, from Proverbs of Muad'Dib. Softly casual. That's a great mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I mean, it's it's that or Chico's for me. <laughs> such kidding. a great, such a great look. Yeah. What the? Sorry, my daughter's just like singing. I can room. hear that. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little preferable to reading this chapter about con- people conspiring. I mean, it's not that I'm like super precious about Paul. I'm not. And I kind of understand, like, why people would want to remove him from power, but also, Mm -hmm. like, they're not doing it. They're not doing it for, like, altruistic means. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. for their own good. Yeah, everybody is just after their own devices. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, I think my problem with this beginning is that we are suddenly all about these phase dancers and it's like we mm-hmm. barely your heard favorite. the people existed in the last <laughs> book and now suddenly you're everywhere yeah so we we've got our group we've got um and this chapter is mainly from the point of view of uh, a face dancer named Saitel. Saitel? how would you say <laughs> i don't know i think Let's in the, the audio book they say Saitel. Saitel. That's yeah. silly. That's yeah. a silly name. It's a silly name. But regardless, he is a face dancer. He can change his appearance at whim. Mm. It's not anything supernatural. It's just he, like the Bene Gesserit, is very trained in Prana Bindu and has this, like, I guess they, the way they're described is sort of like mutants. <laughs> like they have this extra yeah. genetic makeup that allows them to change their appearance and Mm -hmm. also it's not just the appearance like they glean aspects of the person's personality by becoming them that sounds really obnoxious and And i don't think i i don't want that at all (laughs) no thank you i hate it when people tell me that they've seen my doppelganger because i'm like no i don't want any part of that and especially since he's just sort of casually doing it throughout the conversation, he'll just be like, hey, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, no, stop it. You're gross. Stop it. Don't. <laughs> Don't. Uh, stop. 
so he's he's there we've got our guild navigator that we mentioned in our last episode his name is edric he is in a vat of spice he's just, just sort of floating around uh taking spice drugs just you know being very um anxious and sort of annoying uh yeah. we've got the reverend mother as we discussed and rulin who is there not yet a full conspirator they're trying no. to sort of bring her over she's doing kind of a nice like russian look of mm, whale whale, blue whale fur coat and matching hat it's sharp and then sharp like some blonde some her blonde hair and then like they're, they're describing a sort of gold button earrings so it's a very like 1983 power out of the opera look and i'm all yeah about i was it. thinking like a, a sort of a dr zhivago sort of look you know julie yeah. christie and dr Zhivago. oh yeah yeah there you go absolutely yeah. mm. it's just the just fact dreamy. that they describe these like big gold earrings i'm just picturing yeah. like, these big you know business lady clip-ons so she can pull it off and just to make a phone call <laughs> so a phone call oh the best god the 80s yeah. were amazing <laughs> uh I also like that they always describe her as like this double trouble of she's trained as a princess and she's also Benny Gesserit. So like she is mm-hmm. just smooth as ice. Yeah. Like, she's I tall. She's everything. beautiful. You know, and now that I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, this is bad. But I can't stop picturing Ivanka Trump. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get it. I get it. I don't think she'd be a very successful Benny Gesserit. No, I don't. Yeah. yeah, but regardless, she's she's sort of not won over yet. She's sort of mm-hmm. on the she's she's just there to like listen and uh, see what's up. And I I do like that uh, Skatale or Skytail or whatever we're calling him. I cannot remember a pronunciation to save my life. Uh, is always he just keeps like needling her. He's like, "Is this? Did mm-hmm. you come all this way just to talk to this fish guy and a little fat me?" <laughs> it's like, yeah, because he, he's presently in the form of like a very like someone you wouldn't look twice at, someone that you would look at and be like, "Oh, he's harmless," and he's like described as uh, dumpling fat, and I'm like, "Mmm, yeah. dumpling." I'm like, "Ooh, delicious." I know. <laughs> be a dumpling again. So they're all, basically they're there to talk about what they need to do about this whole Paul situation. Mm-hmm. Everyone keeps pointing out, uh, they he, he especially likes bringing up that Arulin is not technically Paul's mate, they keep saying it. Yeah. Uh, which is everyone's really nice way of dancing around the fact that they have never had sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is not the empress either. She is no. the princess consort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she that's did her not official make him title. She, he did not make her empress. No. Uh, which, all right, what did we expect him to? I mean, I guess she did, kind of, but oh well. Sounds like that she happens. did. Yeah. Um, and sh- we do find out in this chapter that the reason that he and Chani have not had any children is because she is sneaking contraceptives into Chani's food. Bad. Bad. No good. Sneaky, sneaky. Don't like it. Uh, to be fair, she knows it's bad and sneaky, mm-hmm. sneaky, and she's not a hundred percent great on it. But she is not yet. She doesn't quite have Jessica's sense of, "Well, I'll do what I want." 
Yeah. And she's still trying to be, you know, I think part of her does think, well, if I can just, if she's not having any kids, I maybe, I can have some kids. Yeah. Look at me. It's also terrible to think that at this point, there's probably some other group of courtiers somewhere who's going like, well, both Chani and Arulan are like 30. Can't we we find like an 18 year old somewhere? These old ladies. (laughs) These old dried husks. Yeah, at least, at least to be fair to Paul, he doesn't, he isn't like, oh, he's still like, Chani, don't worry about it. Like, we've got time, which is pretty nice. We got plenty of time. Yeah. Clueless. (laughs) Because (laughs) I'm sure, I guarantee there's someone somewhere who's like, oh, no one's having any babies. They're (laughs) old, old women. Oh, you're you're not wrong. The gossip rags on Wallach 9 must be just full of it. Oh my gosh. That I would love I would love Maudid, some of the court still gossip. Childless. Yeah. Yes. Oh. I would love <laughs> to know what the average person is whispering about that because you know there's some level of like, oh, I don't know what, what's going on. Neither of these ladies yeah. are having any kids. Yeah, and that's one thing I feel like this this universe, this series misses as a whole is not having like the point of view of just regular people. It's all these, like, important people and grand schemes and, you know, far-reaching implications. no hint of the opinions or Mm -mm. what the outside world thinks. It's all very insular, character-wise. Yeah, except we learn in the next chapter that Paul is not winning any popularity contests on Aragus at all. He has not, that's, yeah, he has not gotten himself into a good situation. Mm -mm. So... Uh, Skytail is there to just lay down a lot of information, mm-hmm. first and foremost of which that, surprise, they made Paul Agola of Duncan, Idaho. Yeah. The f- uh, they, they took well, the, the flesh. flesh. Yeah. Lots of the bandying the word flesh about in this and they chapter. Can't, and because no one in any of these books can be simple, it is just a, you know, instead of saying... We got his body and we used it to make a gola. He mm-hmm. has to be like, imagine this. <laughs> Picture it. Arrakis. <laughs> Arrakis. 10,000. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, Duncan Idaho just died, but he was a really good fighter. And what if a Sardaukar just sort of was like, hmm, I wonder what I could do with this flesh. And everyone's just like, we get it. No, no skip, skip ahead. Yeah. Like, we know. He's like, then imagine they packed it in a box and they flew it on a friend. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. You know, we, yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Arulan's going, I know. I get what you're going for. Because she yeah. also, because Arulan's like, well, is it just a face dancer pretending to be Duncan Idaho? And he's like, no, no, let me tell you a lot yeah. of details you don't care about. Yeah, because uh, face dancers would be too vulnerable to, dis- they would be too open for discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's just <laughs> I do like that she's just like, well, my dad never told me about this. And he's like, yeah, your dad sucked. Um, it was, <laughs> yeah, this was this was after, like, Paul had made him a broken man. So, so and then, of course, you know, he says, well, we made this, this Gola. And everyone's just like, wait, 
you made another Duncan Idaho? And he's like, I didn't say that. His name's I not said, Duncan Idaho. I said we made a goal unnamed hate. Height. Again. It's hate. Don't, it's hate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. goodness. That's how he says it in the audiobook, to the point where I was like, even though I've read this book before, it's been a while, I was so sure that it was spelled H-A-T-E that when I looked it up in the chapter, I was like, okay, good to know. So they uh, they have made this new Duncan Idaho uh, named Hate, mm-hmm. and also he's they made a, him a Mentat, because why he's not? He's a Mentat, because Paul doesn't have a Mentat. Yes. Paul is a Mentat. And so their whole point is like, look, he'll be really excited to have anything from his past back, to have his old friend back, even though he'll know it's a Gola. He needs a Mentat. And he's super hot, so maybe, I don't know, Alia will be into that. Yeah, she's she's of an age to be tempted now, which, ew. It's, speci- it's, it's also gross because it would be one thing if they were just like, she's yeah, 15, so she's old enough to, like, get a huge crush on this guy or, you know, fall in love with him and follow him around mm-hmm. like a little puppy dog. But they are specifically like, I don't know, he could probably have sex with her. And you're like, okay. Like, especially just considering that this is, you know, a Duncan Idaho that they've aged. I mean, he's age appropriate for him, you know, being Duncan Idaho and everything. So roughly 30 and they're mm-hmm. just like, yeah, no, it's fine. It'll be fine. And if they just didn't add that, <laughs> they're extra like, "Well, we can layer. let him go to waste." And yeah. th- that's what gets to me because, yeah, if all things about Alia aside, if I was fifteen and suddenly, you know, my older brother was like, "Oh, and this is my new like right hand man who's going to be around a lot," and it was Jason Momoa, I'd be like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> There'd be a lot of you know hilarious like just, "Oh, I just happened to be in this room." Hi, but nothing would happen because that's inappropriate. But they're all just like, no, it'll be great. And that is not even withstanding the occasional conversation people have where they're like, you know, if Paul and Alia, there's always someone in the room going, I don't know about that. And someone (laughs) else going, yeah, well, we'll just keep it. Keep it on the side. Like, no, guys, no. No, stop it, Benny Jesuit. Weird part where... Saitel was like, "Are you a sex object? You've never been a sex object. You can't, you can't know anything about being a sex object." To the Reverend Mother, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this about?" Yeah, because they also he also reveals that. Oops, did I not ever mention that the Tilaxu made a Kwisatz Haderach? Yeah, uh, and in- that gets that gets the Reverend Mother's attention real quick. But he killed himself uh, because he just, you know, he did not want to become the antithesis of himself. So he killed himself. So is this like something separate from Paul or did they replicate Paul? They, I don't think it was Paul. I think they just Mm -hmm. made their own. And at some point they said, let's do this. And Mm -hmm. he killed himself rather than do whatever it was. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's when he's just like, by the way, Reverend Mother, here's... Also, he doesn't say it. He uses a voice mode that means that, which I don't need people sassing me with tones <laughs> in their voices that mean I'm not a sex object. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goddammit. If I want to be a sex object, I'm going to be one. Also, rude. Just <laughs> rude. 
It's like how at this point, like, I think, you know, Jessica's like 47. And I think there's points yeah. where they're just like, oh, I think she's had sex. That's nice for her. Old ladies <laughs> having having sex. It's like, oh, my oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> so everyone's just like, he's just there being mean to everyone. Yeah. Um, and so. He's a real shit. He's just snapping at everybody. He's in charge of this meeting all of a sudden. And Rulin's just like, huh. Uh, he their whole point is that they want to control Paul via hate. Mm-hmm. I, don't wanna, I don't wanna say that. That's stupid. That's a stupid thing to have to say out loud. It is. Hate. So let's just say the Duncan, Duncan Idaho. <laughs> the Duncan Idaho Gola is fine. I'm not uh, calling him hate. No. So they they're they've made him basically to poison Paul like psychically as they keep saying and yeah to to turn against him uh there is a great part that is one of those moments that never happens in actual conversation between actual people where someone mentions chome and they spell it out entirely mm-hmm. and I'm like that's everyone would know what it is so they wouldn't they wouldn't say it but okay uh Edric is not enjoying that no one is paying attention to him yeah and for some reason, there's something about him that prevents Paul from being able to see them or know, like, predict them or, like, see them when he looks into the future. Mm-hmm. It's something about the guild navigator himself that keeps It's because he's Paul, there. Yeah, keeps Paul's vision, like, blind yeah. to what's going on. So, like, they need him, but they don't necessarily like him. <laughs> I would argue that nobody at this table likes one another. Oh, no. Not not a single one. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, everyone just talks some crap about the Fremen again. And uh, he yeah. knows that Arulan's big plan is that she wants to found a dynasty. Like, she wants to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, um... <laughs> That's not going to happen, is it? Because he doesn't even like to be in the same room with you. Right. So, and then, so that leads us to talking about Paul. So we get our first view of Paul in chapter two for this book. And he's just, uh, he's Is not, there an epigraph is, for this one, too? Um, oh, yeah. So this is for chapter two. Because, again, as we said, these are very short chapters. So we'll probably be doing at least two uh per episode because otherwise we'd be done and that's ridiculous <laughs> so alright every civilization must contend with an unconscious force which can block, betray or countermand almost any conscious intention of the collectivity and that is a Talaxu theorem unproven oh well thank god we're giving that airtime. <laughs> Uh, so Paul comes home. He's in a still suit. We have to hear a lot about him taking off his still suit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's naked. Great. Um, Just thinking about how a still suit stinks. I'm like, yeah, you poop in it. <laughs> it's it's going to stink. I also enjoy um, that apparently still suits, the, the, sh- the boot part of still suits are like those... Uh, gravity boots people wear on the expanse <laughs> yes <laughs> i like that too because apparently they need a certain kind of oil heel toe heel toe yeah. <laughs> uh 
so <laughs> you've got he comes home he he takes so we find out that he likes to take walks because if you're in a still suit no one can see who you are and mm-hmm. no one can tell it's him yeah and it drives all of his people crazy which is fair because i mean he is the emperor of the universe <laughs> So they probably would prefer that he didn't walk around by himself. But it's really the only time that he gets to experience uh, just average people's lives. And even that, he's not entirely happy with just that because it's still just walking around Arrakis. So it's not as if he gets to go into the deep desert and relive any of his, you know, true Fremen moments. Mm. Yeah. He he likes to to just go out and, like, pretend that he's not himself for a while i think mm-hmm. yeah uh so and he says you know like he, he realizes that there's not really a big chance that anyone who knows him from the desert would be able to would see him because they would know him regardless of the still suit but mm-hmm. since he's in the city since he's in eric Keen, it's you know people tend to sidestep who they think you know quote-unquote wild fremen yeah uh, so so that hasn't changed. So then Shadi comes in. I like that they have little lights that float around. I would mm-hmm. enjoy that for my own home. Um, oh yeah, no cords, uh, please. Oh, so convenient, just following you around. Like, yeah, please. Uh, that it's like that little bobble that Alami has in Black Cauldron. Oh yeah. So, so she comes in, uh, bringing their their coffee. I enjoy that it's on a platinum tray because we fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds lovely. This they describe the coffee service at one point where it's yeah. just, it sounds really pretty, and I was like, "Oh, that's nice!" Like, yeah, what's more of that. Like, and the um, the teapot is actually like he says something about like it's inherently female and pregnant. There's a lot of like subtext that's not very <laughs> <did>. subtle. Stop <laughs> staring at the coffee pot. But it is still the same one that belonged to Jameis. Right. He got it when he killed Jameis. So that's a, a nice little holdover from the first book. Uh, we hear again, because this will become important, that, you know, what that is considered, since it is a spoil of war, is a ganima, which is mm-hmm. something we will, you'll want to know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, also, stop and think about that just a little, <laughs> and then think about it a little later. And go, yeah. huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Johnny's just like oh, I'm making coffee. Um, he's just like, wow, she's still looking pretty good. She, yeah. yeah. She's got, <laughs> okay, great. She has some some sand tracks around Ugh. her eyes, as the as the Fremen call it. Uh, like, yeah. they're called crow's feet. She's got some crow's feet, man. Like, deal with yeah. it. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's now we get a lot of him like looking at himself, which. Mm-hmm. At least he's not just staring at Chani, like a lot of books by men. Mm, uh, true. I've been sending you numerous TikToks of people reading <laughs> descriptions of women that male authors have written. But <laughs> this book has yeah. a lot of Paul being like, look at me, still got it. <laughs> still slim. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, great. <laughs> I do appreciate cool. that he part of that is him wondering if Chani still sees him as like, you know, the hot new guy which is fair yeah I mean, they've been together yeah. for 12 years a little longer like 15 all mm-hmm. things considered like it's fair to be like eh, you still still into me still uh, like he, me baby yeah uh so 
blah blah blah. We're talking about his grandfather, which no one wants that. Like, yeah, no cares about he's like dude. people still remember him fondly, and I'm like, not who? your mother. <laughs> yeah, like, who are these people? <laughs> uh, then we got a nice little look at like the rooms, and you do, you hear that they have like a collection of basically like pharmaceuticals, like various salves and whatnot, and like the mm-hmm. mementos. There's sand from the Sech and a lock yeah. of hair from their 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 son who died. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some coffee. Then he's mad because there's a poison snooper, which okay. I mean, I would prefer to not be poisoned. Yeah, he's he just hates that it's necessary. Apparently, he always had one though. He was raised yeah. with them. I need him to stop acting as if he came in off the desert and like had <laughs> never seen a window before because he's acting <laughs> like I don't know. There's just a lot of him being like, I can't believe that now I have to have bodyguards. And I have to have a poison snooper. It's like, oh, you mean like your entire life until you were 15 years old? Right. <laughs> I like, mean, it's Paul. We can all agree he's a pain. He, oh, the biggest pain. And adult <laughs> Paul is more of a pain than teen Paul because he Which should know better. Which if you thought that was impossible, but no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Too possible. Too So having some coffee, some, some mixed nuts, mm-hmm. a little snack. Sounds good. And then Chani's just like, so Rulin wants a baby. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Chani was uh, being a little snoopy. Snooping yeah, so on a, she, their conversation. Because he thinks that Rulin like, came to her and was like, I need you to try to talk to Paul. And she's like, no. Um, I was spying on you. Yeah. So we find out that when Rulin came back, he... Like she showed up again in whale fur and was a new whale fur robe and was like, Look, I want to have a baby. And he's like, No, no, it's not going (laughs) to happen. She was like, Well, I could have a baby without you. And this is when, because he's a real, I mean, I understand it from a purely cold, like looking at your, you know, legacy from a political standpoint, sure. But he's basically like, yeah, you can sleep with whoever you want to, as long as you're discreet about it. I don't care. It would be, un- mm-hmm. and he acknowledges that it would be ridiculous of him to care or yeah. to deny her that because, you know, he obviously sleeps with Chani, but you're not having any babies and calling mm-hmm. them mine. And if you have a baby, like, I'll kill you. Yeah. She was like, well, what are you going to do if I do get pregnant? He's like, huh. oh, Roland, I'll just choke you <laughs> i've got a garrote with your name on it yeah and it's just like damn dude and you know she's like i thought you said you didn't want to be cruel to me and he's like that's why i'm saying you can have sex with whoever you want <laughs> like isn't that me being super nice like come on <laughs> oh ball oh like, you know what, dude <laughs> like what a piece so, of work so Chani's just like, look, you have to have an heir, and I haven't had any. And so she's being pretty reasonable about this. Because, yeah. again, this is like sort of a Fremen thing. Like, we've heard before about people, you know, have multiple uh, marriages. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think at the end of the day, she wouldn't have cared if, you know, he had married Hara, quote unquote, married. Mm-hmm. No, it's just her being like, look, you have to have an heir, and it's not happening. And you have, mm-hmm. a, have a wife, technically, with whom you could just totally... Uh, Get, and put he, a baby into. 
Oh. <laughs> That's kind just, of the gist. I know. I would. It's totally not the, the manner of these books, but it is sort of funny because he keeps very sweetly reiterating to Chani, like, I promised you that I would never take her into my bed. Like, you know, that I meant that. And I kept waiting mm-hmm. for her to be like, just do it wherever. Like, <laughs> doesn't have to be romantic. Yeah. Like, just get in there. <laughs> you need just... an heir, you dum-dum. Uh, so she's just like, look. He, he has seen the future enough to know that they're going to have an heir. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Yeah. Just that it's going to happen. Uh, then he says, you know, sh- he, he's seen it, but he hasn't, like, seen it. And Shawnee's like, all right, so what you're saying is you haven't italicized seen it. Mm-hmm. You just have a feeling. And he's like, well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> So, they're just, like, it's hard because, like, it's obviously very hard on Chani Mm -hmm. because she wants to have a baby and she wants, you know, to have another child and she's trying to be pragmatic about it. Um, He's also just being, and you can get from Paul, you know, that he loves her. Yeah. And he has never liked to rule in and was always a big ass about it even before he'd ever spoken to her mm-hmm. but i don't know like it's just he's being such a dick <laughs> he's being a real <laughs> asshole i mean like there's no there's no like oh you know i i i know it's hard or feel for you or anything like that like yeah you know it, it really i am so it sucks but this is how it has to be it's just like eh fuck you Mm-hmm. No kids for you. And he says, you know, like, no, I've made my decision. Like, mm-hmm. She's never having any children. And she's like, should I kill her? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that Chani's like, I could kill her. And he's like, no, I don't think we'll have to do that. Like, hold Yeah. On. Because she says, like, you know, for you not, the way that she is now, like, she's dangerous, basically. Like, to keep denying her this thing that she wants, you're, she, it's unpredictable. She she could be dangerous, like a danger to you. She doesn't see it as a danger to herself at all. Yeah. And, and there's a whole segment where he's... He's so reticent to acknowledge that Chani, like, has any clue of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because she says... Don't you think it would help matters if you two had a baby, like you and a ruin? And he's mm-hmm. just like, well, only a fool would think that. She said, I'm not a fool. Like, well, I didn't say you were. Like, well, you yeah. just did, dude. You kind of like, did. And then he says, you know, she's a real, like, she's a princess. She was raised for all this treachery and all of this stuff and these plots and her stupid histories. And she's like, well, they aren't stupid. He's like, well, yes, they are. And also, she's stupid, and this is stupid, and why are we talking about this? And Mm -hmm. Johnny's just like, okay. Because she went to a secret meeting and came back, and I think that they were plotting against you. So maybe we should focus on, you know, smoothing things over with her so that she is not part of a plot to kill you. And he's just like, oh, I guess you are kind of following along with everything. (laughs) Like, geez, dude, what do you think she does all day? Yeah, have a little more faith in Johnny, is what I'm saying. 
Because he does have a couple of moments where he's just like, you know, they could have been friends. <laughs> well, and that's, Do you think so? I mean, I don't know. I think, I think in a different circumstance where he wasn't like, I do think that it is possible in a situation where you acknowledge people's different relationships where if it was like, well, I have to marry her because it's a political thing, mm-hmm. but I love you and I'll be with you, where it would be sort of a, like, I think they could have eventually, like, they're living together all this time, you know, and mm-hmm. if you know that that's just the way things are, it's different than, you know, if your husband suddenly got a mistress and was like, oh, you guys can be friends, you'd be like, excuse <laughs> me, because that's, yeah. no. <laughs> but, I don't know, I mean, like, polygamous societies, like, people seem to get along, for the most yeah, part. I'm sure. not saying it's easy, but if it's something and that like, you're, you're raised in. The Fremen do, but yeah. Roland's not a Fremen. Like, there's nothing yeah. that's going to make her Fremen. But I think that if either of them had been, if it had been a different situation where it was, like, more of a sort of a Fremen thing, where it's like, well, I have mm-hmm. to marry her because, you know, I just, you know, basically effectively killed her father. So much like he would have had to take on, you know, Hara, he would have to take on a rule. And I think then Johnny would have been like, all right, yeah, cool, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. But that's not, you know, since it's not the situation. I think if they had worked together, they could have taken care of a lot of the stuff that goes down in this book. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, I think it does come down to no one will have a conversation with each right. other or work together. It's uh, very She's exhausting. like, we should just go back to the desert. Yeah, we should just go back to the sitch and, and hang out and be Fremen again. So now, his big thing is that he's kind of like, I kind of wish I wasn't God right now. <laughs> uh, it's really frustrating how I've suddenly become this messiah figure. It's like, mm, you think? Yeah. Dude, uh, my dude, you did that on <laughs> purpose. And... He's just like, you know, everyone is projecting all of their stuff onto me. And now I'm just like this figurehead. He says, I mean, I'm just Godhead. I'm the emperor and I'm the God. And he does not say God emperor because we haven't come to that yet. (laughs) Uh, And there's definite parts in this chapter. And this is something that is recurring throughout the book, which is that Paul can see enough to know what he needs to do. Mm -hmm. A big thing that he should do. And he does not do it. And yeah. he's Because he says, the price is too high. Yeah, well, um, it's you or, like, I don't know, your nine-year-old, bro. Uh, yeah. Just telling you, just throwing that out there. Just putting that mm-hmm. out there in the world, Paul. Paulo Paul. Because yeah. <laughs> he does continuously think about the jihad and how, like, it's just so out of my hands now. Yeah. Oh, well. And you find out that some of the Fremen, because Chani has gone to the desert and she saw a really big worm and he's sort of like, well, why were you out that far in the desert? And she was doing some sort of like rituals uh, in order to try to have a baby. Fertility thing. Yeah. And she says like, look, I wasn't doing like some of the, the various tribes have started doing like blood sacrifices. And I think she says they've gone back to the old ways. Yeah, but I think there's still an element of, like... This is for Paul. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Like, what if we start, you know, doing sacrifices again? But this time it's all from Wadib. And it's like, oh, boy. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh-oh. She's like, don't worry. I didn't do any of that. And I was just like, um. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it, baby. I didn't do any of the blood sacrifices. <laughs> all better. <laughs> he has a memory of one of his visions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of his earliest visions from when he was a. Just a lad on Kaladin. And he has had a vision of what is obviously a funeral. Mm-hmm. And probably also obviously Chani's funeral. Yeah. And he's just like... <sighs> and so we learned little things that have started to change. Uh, they have a huge garden outside yeah. the palace. And he has stopped. Like, there are no water cellars anymore because... He's he so just, generous with the water. Yeah. Yeah. So he knows that there are people now, especially on Arrakis, who are not pro-Paul because he's changed too much. Yeah. And he's wasted... You know, he has things like a fancy garden that wastes water. Yeah. And so he knows that while he there are people... He said even, like, even the people that wanted this change are reluctant Mm-hmm. And and resistant to it. And, yeah, so it's just really that, on the one hand, there are millions of people who are butchering millions of people in his name. But on the other hand, there are people going, this guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hold on a second. Nobody likes guy? me. Where have we heard that before? Like, well, oh. what did you do? Like, and... The audacity to be like, well, I wish I wasn't a godhead. Well, then maybe you shouldn't have become a messiah mm-hmm. when you were a kid. I don't know. Like, I, and I enjoy that after all of that went down in, in book one, Jessica peaced. Yeah. She's like, well, I'm done with this shit. I'm going back to Caladan. Take care of your sister, who is my kid. But oh boy, I don't have any time for that now. <laughs> Yikes. No, too busy with my Valisette lessons, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Um, I like the little hints, though, of, of stuff you get from, from these two chapters. Like, uh, I think at one point someone says, like, if, you know, what about all of the civilizations that Paul or that Muad'Dib's jihad has, like, wiped, wiped mm-hmm. out, out of existence and... You know, entire planets have been eradicated by yeah. the Fremen, and it's not great. <laughs> and especially the whole blood sacrifice thing. I'm like, mm, is this science fiction or is this Islamophobia? I cannot. Ain't that always the line yeah. of Dune? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when it starts getting more into that, it do- that does start to really because i think there are arguments to be made in the first book that well there's a lot of you know we talk about like you know thufer and his racist statements about the fremen and things mm-hmm. like that you know once we actually meet the fremen it's like oh this is good like this is this is humanizing this mm-hmm. is oh see these are real people and we don't have to believe stereotypes and horrible stories and be awful mm-hmm. but then it's like yeah well now i'm gonna make it where they're having a you an internationally universal jihad yeah. And are just killing lots of people. And it's like, oh. I, oh, dear. Like, that's mm-hmm. not great, Frank. Frank, not great. Not so I good. know. I, I don't love so, it. Uh, and it's a frustrating, it's a frustrating thing 
when you've read the other books to just be like, Paul, you're a coward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You are a coward and you're going to make poor choices. And it's a skinny little book for a reason. And that reason is because you're just going to be like, oh, I got to go. Yeah. (laughs) I fucked up. Yikes. Wait till Duncan Idaho shows up and it's just like, whatever. Well, that's coming up in a future chapter. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is there anything else we really want to say about these, uh, these two chapters here in the beginning? No, I think it's a good setup. We get to know all the intrigue. We get Mm -hmm. to see, you know, sort of more of the the universe at large outside of just mm-hmm. you know before it was really just like i don't know harkonnens um yeah but it, yeah i like it it's it's a um like i said you know you can see him like you can kind of see frank like learning or you know have using more of his craft in this book because it's less like everything mm-hmm. in dune is so immediate it's so like, here's what Paul is doing now. Here's what Jessica's doing now. Here's what, you know, the Baron is doing right now. Whereas now we have these like, well, here are things that we're planning. Here's a conspiracy. Here's, here's all these possibilities being mm-hmm. laid out so early. And it's not as much, I don't want to say it's not as much action because there is action in this book, but like, uh, Yeah. I don't know. It's just different. It's such a different mood. Mm-hmm. I would it say definitely it's even is. it's like darker in tone. I would say, but it's, it's more purposeful. It is, and it's it's. I mean, it, it is really a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like at the end of it, it's it's leading to Children of Dune, and then onward to God Emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it does at times kind of feel like Frank Herbert being like, oh, these other characters from that first book, I gotta, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. gotta get them doing something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know. We'll, we'll just, uh, keep at it and see mm-hmm. what do you guys think so far? Are you, those of you that are reading along, how are you enjoying Dune Messiah compared to Dune? Let us know. We want to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, if you've read all these, if you're just reading it for the first time, or honestly, like, just... Well, for me, it's been so long since I've read anything out, because, like, I've reread, I've read the series, this is, like, my third time reading it, but I think that I remember the first book, and then, like, God Emperor, and then Chapter House and Heretics, like, I remember them more than oh. like these these books here in the middle so i don't yeah, know see, i remember this one and, and children really mm-hmm. the most yeah uh, those last those last two especially it's sort of a blur of me going what <laughs> i beg your pardon <laughs> yeah oh but we'll save that discussion for another day exactly do we have plugs this week megan uh so my only Real plug for myself, personal, before we talk about, I guess, any of us, Mm -hmm. is that I am reviewing and sort of recapping, reviewing uh, HBO's Perry Mason for The Spool weekly. Mm -hmm. Uh, That will be, that's 
Oh, the penultimate episode is this week, so you just got a couple more to still get on this train. Exciting. I started watching just so I could read your recaps. Yay! Yeah. And it's been it's been uh, renewed for season two. I don't know if that means I personally been renewed for season two, but the show has, so yeah. it's, you know, it's exciting. And... <laughs> I was telling my best friend, like, this is not your mom's Perry Mason. This That's... Perry Mason fucks. He does. And they are like, it's HBO, so here it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, prepare see to see a lot of dead guys' wings. Oh, my God. There's there a lot a... of corpse wing in that show. So many dead penises. There yeah. was finally, like, a reprieve. I think it's finally over where I was just like, thank you. <laughs> you thank you, HBO. Because every week... I would look at my notes that I took while I was watching, and there would just be, like, another dead penis. <laughs> all capital letters. <laughs> circled. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah, I have my most recent review is for The Kissing Booth 2, which, looking back <laughs> through our text, you sent me, back when they first dropped the trailer, you sent it to me, and I said, not it. And then I ended up doing it anyway. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which is hilarious. What an so, odd movie to have a sequel. I mean... Are they based on books that had sequels? I don't know anything about it except that I saw the first one. I haven't read any... Like, I haven't read the book or anything. I don't know anything about it. I just know that the second one is not as quick to put the uh, Joey King in her underwear or get her mm -hmm. undressed as the first one was. They they spent a lot of time just having her take her clothes off, which I'm like, this is a high school student and she is probably the only person in those movies that looks like she belongs in high school. So I was very uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot less, uh, I would say it's a, a lot less offensive then the first one, because the first one does have its moments, like, you know, the boyfriend being, like, this total rage monster who's always, like, beating people up. Like, yeah. I, they don't do that in the in the second <laughs> one. So, thankfully, it's, like, progress. Because I watched that guy in Euphoria starring mm. R. Cheney, Zendaya. And, um, yeah, he's terrifying. <laughs> so, like, I, I saw Euphoria before I saw it either of the kissing booth movies so when i was watching it i was just like i'm scared <laughs> i am afraid of him because he is legitimately terrifying on that show huh yeah i've never seen that yeah it's it's not what i would call a feel-good series it's good but like it's pretty i don't know it's i think it's kind of depressing so that's why i watch k-dramas mm -hmm. because ultimately they usually end pretty happily yeah. And I'm just like, yay, this all worked <laughs> out, no matter how ridiculous it got along the way. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for us, we I will plug our Patreon. We I want to thank, because I've promised on-air thank yous to all of our patrons. So let's get to that. I want to thank, I think in our last one, I thanked Linda B. Thank you again, Linda, for your pledge. A big, big, big thank you to Aaron B. Aaron, thank you so much for pledging. At that $12 level, you're going to get some awesome stickers from Josh Hollis, Philippe Sobrero. Uh, it's amazing. So thank you. <laughs> Just the reception that the the Patreon has gotten so far, I'm blown oh, away. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. It's amazing. I'm just, yeah. I'm kind of just 
befuddled. <laughs> I know. People want to listen to us. Weird. So, yeah, we're going to uh, have this episode will be up, you know, early release for patrons and then everyone else. The rest of the plebs will get it <laughs> next week. <laughs> I don't know if you should alienate. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Folk. You're all um. good people. No, no judgments because you know exactly. what? It's hard times right now. Yes. It's hard times. A lot of people are furloughed, out of work. We totally understand. We have no expectations of anyone. I mean, if this podcast was getting a dollar a month in patron Patreon, I would be delighted oh, to yeah. have that dollar. Like, honestly. Like, look at this. We earned a dollar, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's validating. Even that one dollar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we want to thank everybody. And we're going to have new episodes of our Lost podcast. We have to go back on this patrons-only channel. So if you want to listen to that, Definitely check it out there. Uh, you can get those episodes at the $3 level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's going to be it for us today. Yes. But it's very exciting. We're getting into this. And uh, as we said, like, these chapters are very short, so there'll be mm-hmm. more per episode. But mm-hmm. all things considered, they're really just the size of normal chapters from Dune. So <laughs> that's part of the reason that I'm sort of like, this book is a stepping stone because these chapters are so little. We just want to breeze through it and get to the next book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't call us hate. Don't call us hate. Oh. Don't name anyone hate. Yeah, this is bad. It's just bad press. It's bad optics. It is. And uh, wear your nose plugs, wear your masks. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's good, you know, fit yourself in desert fashion before you go mm-hmm. out into the world. Precisely. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thank you.